0: What could I do? As we start turning points, we want to talk about this idea <clears throat> of regret. And I think that early part of the, the Easter story is laced with regret. You have Nicodemus, which if you want to talk, read about his interaction with Jesus, that's in John 3. Um, and but Nicodemus, what could I do? I, I wasn't there. But can you imagine the regret that he has later, um, throughout that time and through that week and through that crucifixion time? Is I could have stopped this if I would have only known, and how that haunts you. And probably in your own life, you have things in your life that, man, if I just would, if I, if I would have done a little better, if I would have done this more, if I would have been more attentive here, if I would have, if I would have, if I would have. You have Pilate with, I my hands are tied. I i can't uh, uh, uh. you have the centurion going well I, this is I got ordered I got ordered to do it i have to I had to do it. I think one of the major characters that didn't even make the 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 script is Peter. if anyone is going to encapsulate this idea of I wish I could have done something i wish oh, I wish it would have been different it's Peter his story goes like this he he is the Number One follower of Jesus, and when Jesus is arrested that night, Peter actually gets all excited, takes out a sword we don 't know where he got the sword, but he, he takes out a sword and chops the guy 's ear off he 's really bad with a sword i don 't know how I would hit you with a sword and only chop your ear off like. I mean, that took a little finesse, if you will. Uh, I don't know how that worked. But Jesus scoops down, picks up the ear, puts it back on. I think at this point we've been like, never mind. I'm not going to arrest this guy. But um, that doesn't happen. What happens is he gets arrested. Peter starts thinking, probably going, I just cut a dude's ear off. I don't know if he used the word dude, but you get what I'm saying. I just, what am I, uh uh-oh. And Jesus says, "Uh oh, man, I'm in trouble. And so he goes to the Temple Mount to kind of hear what's going on. He wants to kind of get on the inside scoop and be around, but he's scared because he just cut a guy's ear off. He's there and people start to ask him, don't you know Jesus? And Peter famously denies Jesus three times. And the regret and the Embarrassment and the weight of those those, uh, moments of saying, I don't know Jesus, must have just weighed down his heart. And I didn't think about this until this morning, but when he's denying Christ, it's at the very moment that the Pharisees and the Sadducees combined are called the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin is the ruling class of uh, the Jews, okay, just for historical perspective. But those guys are meeting. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus are part of that group. And so they are invited to this, uh, to this illegal meeting because they would have been dissenting votes. We got, we got that, okay. Peter is basically hanging out around a fire outside that room trying to listen into the conversation. Does that help you with the scene? Okay. And so he is there. And here's the interesting thing. I didn't, I never thought about this until this morning is Peter is standing there. And the reason why tells repeatedly over and over again, earlier in the scriptures that Jesus, that the Pharisees or the Sadducees did not arrest Jesus because the people were with him and they were scared. What happens at the fire? If Peter says, well, let me tell you about this. Jesus, they arrested. And instead of chants of crucify him, crucify him, crucify him, they are release him, release him, release him. I'd never thought of that before. I was like, "Ooh, that gave me all tingles. Can you imagine the regret that he has? Now, Jesus has to be crucified. He needs to be crucified so he can pay for the sins of the world. But it's one of those things, it's one of those moments that if you're not looking at it from 2,000 years later... You're there in that moment. What if I just would have done something? And we do this all the times in our own life, right? When we're going through the mess, when we're going through the junk, whether that lasts a minute, a year, a, a decade, when we're going through that junk, and we get on the other, when we get to the other side, it's like, oh, it makes so much more sense now, right? Then, but in that mess, all you can think about is the mess, right? Think about it. What, God works through this all the time, The second most important character in all of the Bible, Moses, he is in his regret mess for forty years. I haven't even been alive that long, and he's going through that. I go through my regrets for a week. I'm like, ah, this stinks, right? I went through a regret moment, time in my life for a couple years. It was horrible. I thought it would never end. Now I look at it, I just kind of smirk and laugh at the moment. Like, oh. We all deal with this, whether it's through old, through marriages, through things with our kids, through things with our spouses, through things with our, with our work, the things with friends, the thing with relationships. We have these moments where regret kind of grabs us and holds on for dear life. And it, it starts to change us and, and hurt us and, Take us from living the kind of life that God can call us to. Every great story has these moments of this regret. Think about it. You think of your favorite book. They probably have this immense moment where all is lost. Your favorite movie. I think of. Lord of the Rings, at the end of Fellowship of the Rings, and Gandalf, I'm going to give away the spoiler alert here. It's been out for forever, so if you haven't done it now, sorry. But Gandalf is, has fallen, and Boromir has betrayed them, and all seems lost. And from those moments, what are we going to do now? If you look at the Star Wars, you have the whole movie, Empire Strikes Back. It's, all, it's about this Oh, it's going to get bad. It's going to get bad. It's really bad. And they pivot on this moment. What do we do now? And this is this climax. In the the greatest story ever told, the greatest, most impactful biblical narrative in the history of mankind, what's going to happen now? Because where we're at is stuck in that moment. And that's why we want to do the video, to, to kind of pull you into the mindset of that moment. We purposely did not choose to dress up as biblical characters and do it modern day because it was more about the mindset of being there than, oh, we, we, we did costumes. What does it look like? Where, where do we step from here? What What is that? Where do we go from here? And I think we find ourselves, no matter who you are, where you've been, maybe you're one of the lucky ones, you've never experienced regret Yet. You can be 85 years old and never have experienced regret yet. Guess what? You probably will in the next, you know, 10, 15 years. This is like one of those ubiquitous. It happens to everybody. We've all done stupid stuff because there is sin in the world. We've all experienced this thing called regret. And so, if that is a universal truth for us, it's a universal truth, basically, for everybody in the Scripture. How do we deal with it? How do they deal with it? How do we move on from it? Glad you asked that question. Let's talk about it. You have a choice to make. You can either be enslaved by regret or unleashed by it. You can either be enslaved by regret or unleashed by it. That is where you're at. That is what regret starts to do. And as you think about it, maybe you find yourself in a moment where, I never thought of it that way, but I am bound by this regret. I am bound by these feelings of, I wish that wouldn't have happened. I wish I wouldn't have done this. I wish this wouldn't have happened to me. I wish this, I wish that. uh, And all our mindset starts to consume around it. I wish these things wouldn't have happened. And what really starts the enslaving process is when all of your thoughts start to dictate around so that won't happen to you again. And so now you've insulated yourself and now you've, you've bound yourself and you made yourself a nice little rubberized room. So you'll never be hurt like that again, except all you're doing is thinking about that event over and over and over again. So that event doesn't have to happen again. It's happening over and over again in your mind anyway. We can either be enslaved by the regret or we can be unleashed by it. And I propose to you today that we should try to move towards the unleashed part. Proverbs 15:13 says, "A happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit." A happy heart makes the face cheerful, but a heartache crushes the spirit. Another Translation says sorrow Crushes the spirit How do we move On from that See regret has this cycle This vicious cycle it goes a little Bit like this this is kind of how I experienced it Maybe you you never experienced it this Way maybe you have it goes from The phase of being on the floor Crying about it to Going all right we're gonna beat this thing today We get up Then we go back to the floor and cry about it And we get up we're like, I'm going to beat this thing today. And we get back on the floor and cry about it some more, right? We, we kind of get into the cycle of, ah, and it, we just fight against it and fight against it. And it's like this, you know, this whirlpool, just, right? And we fight and claw and claw and claw and then we kind of spiral back down again. How do we get out of that? Regret pulls us into a dy- downward spiral that must be broken. I think our first reaction For regret is just to kind of cover it up It's like, ah, let's move on I'm not going to deal with that, I'm just going to push it I think the psychological word for that is repression What it is basically is you're, you have an infection And you just kind of put new skin over top of it Have you ever used this, this, this beautiful thing called new skin Paul doesn't even go with the new skin, he just goes super glue Which basically is the same thing It is, if you get a cut on your hand And you put new skin or super glue on it It will heal quickly, like a paper cut, it's perfect for it It'll sting like nobody's business But it will heal, okay Maybe there might be an impatient pastor one time Who cut his thumb really bad Went to the emergency room And they said it was going to take like an hour to see him So he just went and bought a bottle of super glue and fixed it There might be scars on my hand from that But that's okay We do that, but here's the trick on that. If you put new skin on something, and it's got dirt in there, you're you're, you're, going to, yeah, it's going to abscess. It's going to get nasty. You're going to get some MRSA or something in there. (laughs) Something bad will happen. And for far too many of us, that's what we do with our regret. That's what we do with our junk. We just, ah, cover it up. We're not going to deal with it. We're not going to talk about it. And I go, mm, nope, nope, nope. And then all of a sudden, it's like a pressure cooker. And you start going off about things that have nothing to do with it. I don't know why the dog did that, honey. Dishes get not get done, and you are madder and a hornet about the dishes. Nothing about the dishes. It's about something that happened five years ago that you've been putting down and putting down and putting down and putting down. And putting down. I mean, that's just what happens to me, you know, of you all... What's our first step to get out of that? Nervous laughter, nervous laughter, nervous laughter. All right. The first thing is we have to own it. We have to say, yep, it happened. Yep, that thing did it. Yep, I messed it up. Yep, I did it. This is really hard, isn't it? Especially if you think you're the one that was wronged. Right? You were wrong. Yep, yep, yep. You have to own it. We all have a part to play in something. No, no matter what it is, we probably have something. This actually happened to me. Maybe you were a victim in, in something. This happened. I have to move on from it. For me, it was something that I was involved in, and, and, and I felt like I was wrongfully treated. But until the, the moment came where I said, you know what? I was at fault, too. I had issues, too. I had a part to play in these things. I could never move on. It was still their problem and their fault, and they did this, and their issues did this. But until I owned it, I could never move on. This is a very, very, very hard thing to do. It is a very important thing to do because, honestly, the rest of the steps don't work until this step happens. The rest of the things don't, don't, that we're going to talk about today don't happen until we actually admit that it happened. We own it. That we have a splinter, that we have this infection, that we have this junk, that we have this thing under the skin. Maybe we've tried to hide it, but until we expose it, until we bring it out and say, yep, that right there, that's a cut. That right there, that was a big mess up. That right there, I caused damage to my relationship. That right there, that's why my first marriage didn't work. It wasn't because they're crazy, well, maybe partly, but it's because of this. Because we could never figure out how to communicate. We couldn't figure out how to do this. Take ownership over it. Does this make sense? you got to own the issue. Second thing, we have to learn from it. Learn from it. Learning from it doesn't happen until we own it. Learning before you own it it's all about protection i'm going to learn how i will never find myself in this position again uh, if you learn from it before you own it you'll just protect yourself and you'll just build up walls and you'll and you'll you'll insulate yourselves that is not where we want to be okay been there i have done lots of stuff to try to protect myself hidden a lot of things been really secretive about certain things because I don't want that to get out. I don't want to be exposed by that. I don't want to do these things. But what I was doing is I learned from my mistake without owning that I was a participant in my mistakes. When we learn after we own it, it's about usefulness. And this is the switch, and this is the key, and this is the, the moment in which we get to defeat regret, is when we take something painful, we take something hurtful, we take something that has messed us up, we we take something that has derailed us in life, and instead of isolating us and insulating us and keeping us from being the person that we used to be, we take it and become who we can be through it. We learn from it. And we get to say, yeah, 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 I did this, and this is what I can do now. I went through heartache. I went through abuse. I went through junk. I went through stuff. I went through a bad marriage. I went through, I, kids, I messed up as your dad, but now I'm going to do better because I learned what I did wrong. I messed up as your mom. I messed up as your spouse. I messed up. I understand this, and this is where we're going to learn from it and move from it in the future. Where can I get better? How can I stay away from this situation in the future? After I owned my own personal mistakes, I, I started thinking, how do I do this better? What were the things that, that took me down that path in the first place? I went and got help from a Christian counselor, and they helped push me in the areas of, hey, these might be some of the areas that, uh, that caused that. And I evaluated what they said and talked about it, and we, we wrestled with it some more. Talked about it with my wife and talked about it with other things. I'm a pretty self reflective person, but maybe you need it hit over the head with a hammer. Talk to a, a, a Christian friend of yours, a good friend that you completely trust. Don't go to your friend that gossips us a lot, because that would be a bad choice. Go to you guys are just like ah, but that's the person I always talk to. Stop that. (laughs) Go to a friend that you can confide in. Say, what can I learn from that? Will you help me pray through what we can learn? Learn from this. How can I get better from this? Learn from it. And The third thing, this is the fun part, is you get to beat it. You get to beat your regret. The moments that cause regret can be your greatest victories. That when <clears throat> Frodo and Sam beat the enemy, it is their great victory. When the second Death Star explodes, it's the great victory. That doesn't happen except through the moments that caused regret. That doesn't happen That here in Peter's story and his regret He gets unleashed, restored by Christ, and he is the rock in which the future church will be built on. His first sermon, 3,000 people get saved. He starts, he becomes one of the centerpieces of a whole new movement spreading the kingdom of God throughout the whole entire Roman world. His moment of regret His moment of mistakes, because he owned it, because he learned from it, because he he moves on from it, because he beats it, he gets to experience a victory that he never thought he could. In our own lives, when we own our stuff, when we learn from our stuff, we get to beat our stuff. Become more effective than we ever could have imagined. Complete victory over our past is when you use it for God's glory. Complete victory over your past is when you use it for God's glory. And I got to see this in very personal ways of some of my students who had been raped and seeing how God had changed them and rewrote their story. I've seen it in marriages that they said, yeah, we were messed up. We were, we were about a, one fight away from a divorce. But then God. And now they use the stories over and over again to, to help enrich other marriages and other lives. Complete victory of your past is when you use it for God's glory. And you say, Jared, I'm too far gone. I didn't, I didn't salvage my marriage. I didn't salvage that relationship. I didn't salvage that job. I didn't salvage this or that. It's never too late for God to use it for his kingdom. It is never too late for God to use it for his kingdom. Peter writes later in in one of his epistles, 1 Peter 5. This is so interesting that he's the one that writes this, okay? Think about it. The guy who was there, who denied Christ, who is restored, this is the guy writing this. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will restore will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Think about that. Okay, I like how I was kind of frustrated with the scripture uh, when it says, well, after suffering for a little while, I was like, well, that doesn't fit perfectly with what I want to say today, God. Let's uh, But think about it, Peter, it's about 40, 45 days, I think, from the moment when Jesus, when he denies Jesus, to when Jesus restores Peter. There's a little angst moment there in Peter, right? Jesus is doing his, he's already risen from the grave, and he's doing this kind of beam me up, Scotty thing going on, appearing different places. But Peter has fallen totally into his regret syndrome. He has retreated away from Jerusalem. He's gone away from everybody. He's probably even left some of the disciples away. He is totally going, I'm going to go fishing, and I don't want to deal with this anymore. I don't want to be around people. I don't. And that's where Jesus meets him and restores him. And so can you imagine all this quiet time that he's got, all these thoughts going through his head for for basically a month? So he says, so after suffering for a little bit, Christ will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power and the glory forever and ever and ever. And I'm not saying there needs to be a, a waiting period of regret for, you have to do it for 30 days and then you can move on. Right. Some of us, if you've experienced regret for 30 seconds, those are the long 30 seconds. Right. That moment when you those words came out of your mouth because your kid was being. Ridiculous. Ridiculous is the word I'm going to go with your kid and you're like, ah, why, why? And they forgive you in like five seconds. But those five seconds, you're just like, they're going to hate me. They're going to have to go to counseling later because of this statement. And then, you know, whatever. And if your kids have to go to counseling, it's okay. They might need to have that. And for those five seconds, you're like, oh, and then they're smile, and you're like, okay. Whew. whatever suffering that is, we learn from it, don't we? The victory from regret is a story of joy. It's a story that goes from complete destruction to complete life. From pain, from junk. To victory. Easter is about taking past pains, past regrets, failures, and mistakes, and redeeming them into something beautiful. That is the point of Easter. That we are dying and dead in our transgressions, but through Christ Jesus, we will have life, eternal life. That's what this is all about. When we choose to work through our regret, we allow God to do his finest miracles in us. These are the most fun. I want to see God do some healing, you know, people that are lame walk. I want to, I would like, you know, see, I don't know, be it, run out of food and and start breaking bread and we got more. That's okay. But when you see a life that is, that is mired in regret, mired in sorrow that has just shackled itself to, I can't get outside myself because of just the stuff that has happened in my life. And for them to be set free and work for the kingdom of God, those are the finest miracles that God does. They are gorgeous to watch. They're beautiful to see. When we choose to work through our regret, we allow God to do his finest miracles in us. Maybe today, maybe you find yourself in a place where you know you've been stuck in regret. I wanna urge you, I wanna pray with you, I wanna help you find these moments where we can say, "I, I need to own that and I need to move on. I need to own it and I need to learn from it And then I want to beat it. If that's you today, I just ask you to pray with me today. God, I want you to take my regret. I want you to take these mistakes. I want you to take this junk. I want you to take this sorrow and this pain that I've been feeling over things that happened years ago. God, right now before you, I recognize my part to play in it. I recognize that it happened. I recognize that this stuff really occurred. I don't want to be stuck there anymore, God. I don't want to be stuck in a place where I'm always looking backward. I want to learn from it and move on. And God, right now, in, in this moment, you, your promised redemption, your, your way of making a new creation in my heart and a new creation in my life, God, I ask for that right now. I ask that you would take my past and let me be effective because of it. That you would redeem it and make me new, make me effective. That the glory of God will be shown of my past, that your work, that your peace, that your victory, that your redemption would all be made evident to the people around me because of how you've redeemed me. Holy Spirit, we ask you to give us the courage to step into this, to move with it. Holy Spirit, we ask you to protect us as we try to make these steps. As we try to walk with you. God, we're scared of this journey. But it's one we have to make. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen.